0: And uh, here's some things to remember about giving. We need to be faithful in giving. We need to be consistent in giving. We need to be obedient in giving. We need to be generous in giving. We need to be cheerful in giving. Woo! (laughs) Didn't expect that, did you? We need to be worshipful in giving because it is a part of our worship trusting and giving when you give trust god amen that he will give it back to you we need to uh just we you know god will never ask for what you don't have he only asks for what you have amen and then we need to be willing in giving so i just want to encourage you uh when you give uh to our guest, just mark guest on your check if you make a check make it out to vcf and if you want a designated amount you can put it on your check as guest or on the envelope uh, or if you use a card through our bookstore, you can designate it uh, for the guest. And uh, amen, because we're in the business of blessing people, and we honor the gifts that God sends us. Amen. And if you're on, uh, watching online, we thank you for watching. You can go to our website, and uh, it'll show you how to do that through online. Amen. So, Father, I give you thanks and praise for your plan of giving into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how to support your kingdom through our giving, and we just take it a joy and a privilege to give unto you, Lord, and we thank you for your rich return and your rich reward. I bless every gift and giver in Jesus' name, amen, hallelujah. Well, we got some kids in this place, gorgeous, handsome kids, amen, amen. We're so excited about our kids and our kids' lives, so we want to cheer as they go out. So, kids, have a great class. Experience the power of God, the blessing of God. How many has, this is your third third day in a row in church, amen? Champions, hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is the most important thing that we can do in our lives, and When we honor him. Well, we're so excited this morning to have uh, Reverend John George with us. Uh, His wife, uh, Darlene, is back in Texas taking care of things. They've been married for 42 years. They have uh, two married adult children, seven grandchildren, all faithfully serving the Lord. Uh, He's very influential in uh, building up churches and ministries. They've pastored for over 20 years. He's been to many, many countries, and we're so glad that God brought him here to Palmyra, Pennsylvania. Amen? Amen. And I just want you to open your hearts this morning and receive what God has and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying while he preaches. So let's welcome Reverend John George as he comes and ministers the word.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Wow, you are radical for sure three days in a row. And uh, you're not even getting paid for it, but you're getting blessed for it because you operate, live in the Word. Uh, it's just, just an automatic. You're, you're, sowing, you're sowing of yourselves time. And what does time represent? Time represents your life. Right? If you're not alive... You don't care about clocks or time anymore, right? So if you're alive, that's time. And when you take time to invest your time in study of the word, prayer and praise. I'm I'm not talking about church yet. Just those kinds of things in your life. And then you come to church as, as a body of believers. You're already the church. But the word church means assembly. That's why COVID, trying to shut our churches down, they said, well, the church is not a building. No, it's not. But the word church means the, the same people of the same faith assembling together. Yes. It doesn't mean assembling online. <laughs> now, if you have to be online, you have to be online because of work or illness or whatever or, uh, you know, uh, some debilitating situation. But the body, of, the body of Christ, is necessary that we assemble together, and that we fellowship together. It always amazes me that people that that uh, kind of have that mentality about church. Well, I don't need to. I don't need to go to a building to to to, to be in the church. Uh, do you need to go to a building to get groceries and building materials and those kinds of things? You know, you just can't order building materials. You can order groceries now. They can deliver to your door. Um, My wife ordered groceries this week, and they're normally delivered to our door. And they text her and give her a picture of the groceries at our front door. But this time they texted her a picture of somebody else's front door (laughs) and said, please, please come get your groceries. And we're at 602 South Garland, and they delivered them at at, uh, 714 some other street. (laughs) It was within walking distance, but it was a completely different street aimed a different way, a completely different door, and they deliver these groceries to us all the time. And so if I if I'm home I I usually do a lot of the grocery shopping but she does it online and and she's looking for specific things right now and so they delivered all of our stuff to somebody else's house. Well she just went up to the porch and got it and and I said, "Well, I wonder if they had the Ring doorbell that has a video <laughs> or Vivint or whatever or or you know simply say for one of those you're in trouble she said well i rang the doorbell first to just see if they were if they were home or not to let them know what i was doing but i i have i have the text and the picture that they're supposed to be delivered to me but you can't do that with the church you you just can't order something down and write something down or tweet something down or send a photo and mail it in as far as the church. You need to assemble. Why? Because we need each other. Iron sharpeth iron, so does the countenance of a friend, the Bible says. And if if you're separated from people, and it's, it's proven out in these last three years that there's a great amount of mental illness because of shut-ins and people who've shut themselves in because of COVID. Because people need people. If, if, if God did not design us to need people, then why did he give mankind the ability to procreate and multiply and replenish the earth? Why didn't he just, I mean, think about this. We've been talking about family all weekend. Think about this for a moment. We read out of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, right? Chapter 12, chapter 18. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, you saw, we saw that God made the woman from the man, From the rib of man, right? Now, this is for everybody, whether you're married or not. But when did the devil show up? After After there was a male and female. After God had consummated the marriage covenant. Could Could the devil have shown up when it was just Adam? Certainly. Or as an old friend used to say, satanly. Anybody remember Curly of the Three Stooges? Satanly. Satanly. You young people, you have to Google that. But every time I say certainly, I think of Curly. So, The devil could have attacked Adam. But what did he do? He attacked the family. He attacked the marriage. Why? Because he does not want the marriage covenant. Why? Because the Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. A marriage is not twice as strong spiritually. A marriage is 10 times as strong spiritually. That's why he's attacking marriage today. All right. No extra charge for that. So for you coming to church like you are three times this week, at least, some of you more, more than that, that's, that's a big commitment. And God will reward you for that. Amen. But you have to do something with what you heard and what you learned. Amen. This is called formidable faith for the last days. Formidable means strong. It means powerful. What is formidable faith? It's intimidating to the enemy. It's Bible faith. It's Jesus kind of faith. And the Lord gave me this message in 21 for the purpose of warning people, if you think COVID is bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because greater than COVID is coming. COVID was minor compared to what's coming. And they shut down the whole world for COVID, unnecessarily. They didn't shut down Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, come on, but they tried to shut down the church. We were the only church of 76 churches in our town that did not shut down. And it, 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 w- we didn't stay open because the governor and the attorney general sent us a letter and said that churches are essential in Texas. They did, but that's not why we stayed open. We stayed open because we're a people of faith. We're not a people of fear. We're not a we're not a people. No, yeah, we're practical. But nobody got sick in our church. Nobody died. Nobody went to the hospital. Nobody was in any 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 uh, uh, health stress whatsoever. And we got. We got ridiculed for it. We got <clears throat> we got hate mail. We got all kinds of stuff on face on our Facebook page, uh, on our, our ministry Facebook page. Don't, d- you're killing people. Blah 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 blah. First of all, these people have just not followed the science. Imagine that. Everybody would say follow the science, but when you follow the science. Because they're following the narrative. They're not following the science. They're lied to, tattooed to Ricky dude. They're getting ripped off. And what did they shut down for? Some of our churches in our town still have not reopened. I want you to write something down. Text it to yourself. Put it in your notes, electronics. When the Lord woke me up on February 13th, 2020, I believe I shared this here last year, but I, some of you weren't here. And I just want to remind you of it anyway. He woke me up with these words, sinister plot. And it's February 13th. There was no COVID death in America till the third week of March. So I wasn't thinking COVID. Nobody was thinking COVID on February 13th. You know what I was thinking? Did I miss Valentine's Day? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Because the guys, you know, if you miss Valentine's Day with all the reminders we have, we are dead meat. Commercials, ads and entire things at the store I mean they block your way into the store. I mean you can 't miss flowers and cards and you know all kinds of stuff I mean gifts and candy. if you miss valentine 's Day, you extra special kind of dents. You know, they don't remind you of your wife's birthday or or your anniversary, but man, they remind you big time for Valentine's Day. So that's what I thought, and as soon as I realized, well, that's not till tomorrow. Wow, I was relieved, but there was still this heaviness in my heart from hearing sinister plot. And it took me about two, three weeks to get to the bottom of it, praying it out. The Lord gave me scripture for it. He said it says in Corinthians that we being not ignorant of Satan's devices, and I looked up that scripture, that's the scripture that came to me. I looked up that scripture. that's in Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter nine, I believe. And it talks about in the Greek, it uses in a Greek dictionary, it uses the word sinister for devices, Satan's devices, His sinister devices. You see, sinister is an extra level of evil. We've all heard of the mafia, right? We've heard of, you know, those kinds of things. Not all mafia members were considered sinister, but certain ones were. Babyface Nelson. Al Capone. They were, they were categorized as sinister. Extra level of evil. Right? Right? Well, the devil is an extra level of evil. And I said, okay, Lord, what is this sinister plot? is against me, my marriage, my family, our ministry. And he gave me three things, the sinister plot. Again, I'm not even thinking COVID. The first one is the only one I want to talk about, the church. And I said, there's a sinister plot against the church. And he said, yes. The enemy is working overtime to shut the church down, to shut the church up. I want to prove something to you. We have 45% less church attendance after COVID. 45%. That's the average. But let me give you let me give you a couple of numbers here. Now I posted all this on social media, so you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I posted all this on social media at the time. Talking about what the Lord told me about the church, the assault against the church. Last year I got these stats. Off the internet, so it must be true. No, it's actually from Pew Research, P E W, which is not a Christian organization. On March 1st, 2020, write that down March 1st, 3120. 3120. And under that, or beside that, write 256K. 256K or 256,000. On March 1st, 2020, before we ever have a covid death in America, we had 256,000 Jesus event Jesus preaching evangelical churches in the United States. 256. Under that, 3122 March 1st, 2022. Don't have the figure for 23 yet. It'll come out. I'll get it. Under that or next to that, however you, had it, however you made your outline, 155K. March 1st, 2022, two years later, we have 155,000 Jesus preaching churches. In two years, we lost 101,000 Jesus preaching churches in the United States of America. Unprecedented. Never happened before. Now, the Lord gave me this message in 21 before I got those stats. But I already knew what I heard from the Lord. And I posted it I shared it everywhere I went. We still have people that don't believe it. The devil is after the church, folks. He's come to steal and to kill and to destroy from the church. Because why? Why does he want to shut down churches? Again, to shut down our voice. Why? Because we're the only voice of common sense, reason, and authority in the earth today. We've lost common sense, reason, and authority in our nation, even in our churches. One of the most prominent voices for modern churches today has now bought into the LBGTQXYZ plus mentality and is having a conference in his church and has had a conference in his church to to repatriate and re a sign doctrine but well now they're accepting of same-sex marriage the united methodist church in america has now voted the united the presbyterian usa has now voted many of these many of these national denominations have now voted to accept same-sex marriage do you understand that's demonic that's demonic and this is not a political rally here today, but I'm John George, and I approve this message. <laughs> you're going to either believe the Bible or you're not. We read right out of Genesis chapter one: God made the male and the female. It didn't mention she male. God only made a male and female. If you believe that you you believe that God made some trans young person, if you believe that God made people to be transgender. If you believe that there are 52 genders, you need to come visit me in West Texas and try to milk one of our bulls, and I'll show you the difference. (laughs) You better have on a a, a major protection suit. You better better have Kevlar on everywhere and an oxygen tank because you're going to be kicked into outer space. But what is it? It's the enemy bringing confusion to our young people. They're killing themselves over this. And young people realize this. You can change your anatomy. You can change your anatomy surgically, but you can't change your gender. If you were born a boy, you're a boy. If you were born a girl, you're a girl, and there's nothing else. I said there's nothing else. If you go to the hospital and you fill out a form, and let me say when you go to the hospital and fill out a form, not if. There's always forms at the hospital, right? If you go to the doctor, you're going to fill out a form. Even if you've been there before, you're going to fill out a form, right? So you're going to go to the doctor and they're not going to ask you what you identify as. Why? Because there are no protocols for trans. There are no medical protocols for trans. There are only medical protocols for males and medical protocols for females. They're not going to treat you as a trans because on the inside of you, you are whatever you were birthed to be. Even on our phones, we now have on Apple, we now have an emoji of a pregnant man. Men cannot be impregnated. Men cannot birth babies. Primarily, they don't have, they don't have the hardware for it. Namely, they don't have a womb, and even if you transplant a womb or a uterus into a man, you might be able to manufacture something, but how is that baby going to get through a man's lack of a birth canal? How is that baby going to make it through the man's pelvis, which is not made to expand like a woman's is? I don't know. It's just simple biology. (laughs) Anybody learn biology in junior high? It's just simple biology. Men's and women's pelvises are different. you, You can't squeeze a baby's head and shoulders through a man's pelvis. No extra charge for that anatomy class. We better we better have formidable faith. We better have Bible kind of faith in these last days. Our children are going to get ransacked and run over and steamrolled if we don't. Somebody over here like to have this? Right at the back, ma'am. Sir, can, I, can you help me at the back? Give, the, give it to that lady at the very back on the left. Thank you. This is called the language of faith. Why is the language of faith so important? I don't know. Maybe you need to learn something besides, "Lord, can you give me that thing of a jig that goes on the watch, me call it?" That's the last word you want to hear at the dentist's office, isn't it? Huh? Or in surgery? In other words, every area of our lives, there's vernacular we must learn. There's terminology that you need to know if you're going to be successful at your job. Why, why, why would we think it's any different with God? Well, if God, if God wants me healed, he knows where I live. If God wants me blessed, he knows where I have my bank account. That's like saying when your banker sees your account go low, he's just going to fill it up. foolishness. You need to learn the language of faith. Well I don't know if God be willing and the creek don't rise I guess God going to do something good for me. (laughs) Did Jesus pray like that? Well what are you doing? Did Paul pray like that? Peter then what are you doing? But yet we think we can just wing it with God and be successful. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to learn the terminology. You have to learn the vi- vernacular. And it's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. Oh, it's come to that? We post We post a note know the Bible? Hmm. How about that? Somebody over here like to have this? All right, there you go. This is called this is our newest, this is called living under righteousness. It's taken from first Peter two twenty four. We being excuse me, let me let me back up. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses on his body, that we being dead to sin. We being dead to sin, that's what Paul taught in Romans five and six. We being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. We should live unto righteousness. In other words, we are—if you're born again, you are the righteous. You are righteous if you're born again. But you have to live unto it. The reason most people don't get their prayers answered is because they're not living under righteousness. Amen. 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 We have a covenant. And guess who's going to keep their side of the covenant every single time? God. And in order for us to keep our side of the covenant and for the covenant to be operational and work in our lives, we need to know what the Word says and we need to live under righteousness. Come on, somebody. In the middle, anybody in the middle? All right, ma'am, right back here. I have a wireless mic, so I I could have delivered these. I could have personally delivered these. I didn't even have to text you a picture on the, of the front porch. I could just take it right to you. You got your Bible today? Turn over to Galatians. Last year when I was with you, Galatians chapter 2, last year when I was with you, I talked about identity. I'm going to talk about identity with Christ. I talked about identity in Christ last year. I'm going to talk about identity with Christ today. I believe this is the singular most important issue in the body of Christ after the new birth. The new birth is the most important. Jesus said you must be born again. He didn't say you must be bored again. He said you must be born again. We must we must be Spiritually birthed in Christ. Amen? Amen. We cannot get to heaven without that. We cannot enter the kingdom of God without that. We have to be born again. And in these last days, the enemy knows very well That the time is short and the time is near at the end of this age and the end of this dispensation. In other words, we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. The bottom of the ninth inning. We will not win and overcome by remaining in the dugout. We will not win and overcome overcome by never getting up to bat. We will not win and overcome if we don't practice our faith. Amen? Do you know that doctors and all, all people in the medical community, even though they have their doctorate, they've achieved their credentials as doctors of medicine Doctor of neurology, doctor of of oncology, whatever, whatever specialty, uh, doctor of gynecology, whatever, whatever, whatever specialty that they've studied for, they've achieved that or they couldn't be called a doctor. But do you know that even doctors have to have continuing education? They have to maintain their credentials. Same thing with pilots. It's not once a pilot, always a pilot. You have to retrain. You have to to, to go to another level. In other words, you you can't fly a twin-engine plane on a single-engine certificate. You might know how. But you have to legally have a twin-engine rating. You cannot fly a jet-propelled aircraft on a piston-propelled rating. In other words, like uh, a a normal uh, engine. You have to have a jet rating. And you have to go to school for that. And even though you've achieved that for a period of time, for a long, maybe you're, you're, you're this pilot, you were trained in the Air Force or you're trained in the military of some kind, and you've flown for years. To maintain that, those credentials and that, that rating, you have to continually go to school. But much of the church has missed that memo. Well, I already read the Bible. Mhm. Like I said this weekend, I eat a meal yesterday and I expect to eat another meal today. And the same thing is true spiritually. If you're not feeding your faith, if you're not feeding your spiritual man, your spiritual being, you're not going to grow. Because if you're not feeding, you're not changing. And if you're not changing, you're not growing. It takes change to grow. Amen? I learned that in athletics. I learned that in sports as a a young man. And it's still true today. Do you know that as long as you have a body, you can build muscle? As long as you have a physical body, you can build muscle. People wither away and atrophy sets into their muscles because they stopped using them. They become sedentary or still, inactive. And the same thing applies to your spiritual being. So the enemy knows this. The enemy knows this better than most people in the church. You know, you have to understand who Satan is. He was Lucifer in heaven. He knows how to operate spiritually. He knows what it takes to be spiritually strong and he knows what it, he knows what he can do to make people spiritually weak. He deceives them. He tricks them. He strategizes against you. Now my focus here is not on the devil, but the Bible says we must be aware of him. And we must know, we must not be ignorant of his devices. Come on. We don't study the devil but Jesus was not ignorant of Satan's devices. That's why Jesus used the word to speak to the devil himself when he appeared to him three times. Jesus didn't say, don't you know who I am? I'm the son of the living God. No, he didn't say that. It wasn't about him. He said, "Is it? it is written, Satan. Devil, it is written. And he quoted the word. Most Christians today don't know enough word to quote it. Except Jesus went. For God so loved the world that He gave us... Everybody knows John three sixteen. The world knows John three sixteen, and the devil knows John three sixteen better than you do. He just doesn't believe it. The devil knows the word, and he twists the word, and he deceives people with the word. Think about this. My, my friend John Bevere wrote a book called The awe of God, and, and a bunch of that's his latest book. Wrote a bunch of other books. In one particular book that he wrote, he talks about how the devil did not use something evil to entice Eve and Adam. He used something that was good. Because the devil's not going to come up and offer you death, destruction. Here, you want some? He's not going to offer that. It's not enticing. (laughs) He's going to offer you something pleasant. He's going to offer you something that God created for good. But he's a perverter. He's going to pervert. He's going to corrupt what God created for good. You see, the devil is not a creator. He's a pervert. He perverts what God created. So you can choose... Whatever you want to do, you have you have free moral agency. God, the greatest gift that God gave mankind was the power of choice. I set before you this day, life, death, blessing, cursing, and then the greatest hint in the Bible: choose life. So we have the power of choice. We can choose we can choose death or we can choose life. I, I'd rather choose life. Well, those are the two huge categories. Under the life category would be blessing, favor, wisdom, healing, right? Peace, joy. Under the death category would be sickness and disease and lack and poverty and fear. And these categories are massive. And that's what he was referring to. I set before you this day, life, death, blessing, cursing. In other words, all these categories are under life and death. They are the major categories. And we choose every single day. It wasn't just the day you got born again that you chose life. You choose life or death, blessing or cursing, every single day with every single thought that you think and every word that you speak. You're choosing life or death. And I made this mistake with my children when they were young. We were having a morning devotion before I, I carpool, carpooled them to school. I picked up another family, and then in the afternoons, that family would take, pick up our kids and bring them back to us. But in the mornings, I took them all the way across Tulsa, Jerusalem. And um, my wife had fixed them breakfast. They'd already brushed their toothpaste, like I told you Oh, the weekend. That's what my son said when he was little, so I still use that. So they're ready to go. They got all their stuff. They got their, 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 their backpacks and stuff ready to go to school. My daughter's uh, four and a half years older than our son. And, and so, you know, he, he's younger. And, we're sitting, and I'm sitting there on the, on the ottoman. They're on the love seat. I've got their attention. And I said, you can be anything you want to be. That sounds so good, and immediately I felt sick. I didn't eat breakfast. I felt sick, so I said, "Let's pray." So I got up and I walked around the living room. I said, "Lord, what do you want to say? What are you? What are you? What are you doing? What are you? What are you communicating to me?" He said, "He said this: You have no right and no authority to tell your children." They can be anything they want to be because you didn't make them, I did. They have no right to just choose whatever they want to be because I made them not themselves. It's your job as a parent to help them discover who I made them to be, not decide. I get chills right now saying that, thinking about that. Because that's what I had that morning. And it changed my whole mentality. See, that sounded really good. You could be anything you want to be, you know, join the army, you know, you know, be all you can be. No, 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 no. God made you to be something. Do you think God was just churning out copies up there in heaven in the spirit realm? Huh? Just hitting copy, 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 copy. No, you're an original. You're an original. Just think about all the billions of people that have ever lived and are living now. We're upwards of 8 billion people are living on planet Earth right now, and billions have died and gone before us, and not one of us had the same fingerprint. You're not a copy, you're an original. You don't have the same DNA of anybody else. Yeah, you have similar if you're related in family, but very little. Not the, you're, you, you, even twins are not identical DNA. No, you're a unique. You you are a complete original. But yet, we're pressured. We're pressured to swim around in the ocean of mediocrity. And the enemy knows this, and that's why he is, that's why he has set forth on this assault against all humanity, all of God's creation. He set forth this assault to belittle you, to devalue you as a copy. What's the use? What's the big deal? I'm just like everybody else. No, you're not. No, you're not. God made you unique. You will never fulfill your God-ordained destiny by being a copy. And today we have so many voices, images... Pastor Doug mentioned this earlier about voices. The songs we've been singing are all about these these kinds of things. They didn't know what I was going to speak on today. I didn't know what they were going to sing. But the Holy Ghost did. We sing songs about who we are in Christ and what we have and who we truly are. What God has given us. What he's made us to be. The statements that have been made from here and up there are exactly what I'm talking about. You see, these things are under satanic assault. These principles are under satanic assault to re-identify and reconstitute what God made you to be. To bring confusion to your life. Who, who would have ever thought that the timeless truths that have spawned generations of civilization around the world are now under assault? Who God is? What a man is? What a woman is? What a marriage is? What a family is? Are you serious? But yet those things are under hideous And continuous assault today. And it's brought confusion to this generation. For the purpose of sifting you, isolating you, and taking you away so he can take you out. To bring confusion to your life. I spoke that over a lady in San Diego about a month ago. I was in San Diego just two weeks ago. I was at a different church in San Diego a month, a little over a month. And I think it's probably five weeks. In a prayer line, and she'd never been to that church before. It's on a Sunday night. The pastor wanted to have a healing night, so she was invited by somebody at the church. And she was she was standing right over here. Is three sections just like this? So this this section was kind of angled in. The, the wing sections were angled in. And so, I prayed for. There were there were two people there. I think she was the third one. Her name is Norma. That's my mom's name, so I remember her name well. And there was a whole line of people all the way across. I said, "Y'all stay here." When I pray for everybody, I'm going to come back. And I I knew the Lord wanted to say something to somebody there. I, I wasn't exactly sure who it was. And so I prayed for everybody, and then I came back. And. The Lord gave me some words of knowledge over a couple of those people. And the the third one was Norma. And I said, I don't recognize you. You, you, I go to this church two times a year. I don't recognize you. Are you a part of this church? She said, no. I said, well, do you you believe in the word of the Lord? And she said, well, yes. I said, well, the Lord wants to say something to you. So just lift your hands up and, and thank him. And she did. I took one of her hands with both of my hands. And I said, Norma, the enemy is trying to sift you and separate you and isolate you to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. That's the only way he can do it. But now that you've heard the truth, you're going to be able to stand up again. That's as far as I got. Now! Now! She pulled her hand back, and in a man's voice, and that demon contorted her face. And this beautiful lady now became viciously ugly and nasty with its deep And everybody went that way. <laughs> but me. I said. Devil, shut up! I'm talking to Norma. No, you can't have her. We've got this on video. You can't have her. She's mine. The whole time he was doing that, he's backing up down this down the wall. Oh, you bold thing, you! And see, he's trying to scare people. I ain't scared. Because I know who I am. Hello. I said I know who I am. I've seen lots of pastors. Almost pee in their pants. When demons show up. I'm serious. I've seen them run. I've seen them start. When When you pray in tongues. You're not praying to devils. You're praying to God. Hello? Yeah. And it's a prayer language. You, you, you don't shut the devil up by pointing at him and, and doing oozy tongues. No, 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 no. We got some whacked out people that do that stuff. No, that's not Bible. You can't find that in the Bible. Let me show, let me show this to you. I'd already said this. i already said this in the message. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at this in the Amplified on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. I know you went to Galatians. Just keep turning right. There are a few, few pages. You'll get to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. This is so good. This is not the only place, but this is the most simple. Philippians is right after Ephesians. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now stop right there. If that's in your Bible, how many of you have a Bible, King James or New King James, it says a name, a name. Lift your hand up if that's you. A name. Okay. Put this up in the Amplified. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God hath highly exalted him and has freely bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. That's the Greek yeah. he didn't give him a name, he gave him the name, yeah. and I taught that verse to that those people that night so <laughs> because I know that the name how many is that singular giving him the name let's look at the next verse verse ten that In at the name, say the name, the name of Jesus, every knee should and must bow. Say must bow. Not may. Must. Must bow. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Next. And every tongue. Say every tongue. So every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father to so see, I know this. Why? Because I know the Word. You should know this because you know the Word. At the name, not a name, the name. And I said, Norma, I'm talking to you. Shut up, devil. Norma, I'm talking to you. Do you want to be free, Norma? And she began to weep and cry. The devil still had her eyes clenched and she's crying and weeping. I said, yes, yes, I said, in the name. I didn't even get to touch her. Just saying the name. I didn't even get Jesus Christ out. Just in the name. Boom! Yes. Knocked her 10, 12 feet back. And she was delivered immediately. Yes. Yes. There were catchers. Thankfully, the catchers didn't run off. <laughs> ushers, don't, ushers, make sure that you stay ush. <laughs> don't quit ushing. The name. The name. I told stories that night of casting out devils. And that woman was there. And that demon manifested. That church had never had a demon manifest before. It's a pretty new church. New pastor, I should say. It's an older church, but it's it's a new pastor. It had never manifested a demon. one of the signs that believers are supposed to have in the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, right? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The very first one is you shall cast out devils. The second one is you shall speak with new tongues. And isn't that amazing that that's what the, the ter, liturgical and the denominational churches, that's what they're against the most, casting out devils and speaking with new tongues. Oh, they, they preach and quote, go into you know all the world preach the gospel. Well, they, go, they quote that all the time. But, boy, you get to the signs, they're supposed to be following believers. <laughs> Bunch of sissies? It doesn't say signs that follow preachers. It says signs that follow believers. You don't have to fear any devil. Devils fear you. You don't have to fear any devil. And if I had had to, I would have slapped that devil out of her. I would have had the spirit of Norval Hayes on me. He slapped a lot of people. But I didn't need to. Just saying the name, the name. See, the devil knows the the name. He knows who you're talking about when you say the name, the name,
0: the name. Say the name.
1: The name. name. It's the name of Jesus. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. I've had that happen in so many environments and so many situations and places. and, uh, and, and And it's pretty much the same everywhere. It's the same. It's been the same overseas. It's been the same in in the United States. It's been the same in the Northeast, the the Northwest, the the Midwest, the Southeast, the Southwest, the the Southeast. It's been the same. These, These demons try to manifest in people's lives because they're ignorant. They're ignorant. So the devil's trying to reconstitute, re identify who these proven entities are, who God is. You know what? If you didn't make it, you don't get to identify it. You have no legal authority to give a name to something that you didn't make, that you didn't create. Right? My youngest grandson, I may have told this story last year, his name is Quincy. He's hes now four, but when he, when he was three... You know, well, still to this day, I'm going to see them next week or this coming week. And and, and they're the, my youngest grandkids out of seven. And, man, they love Jesus and they love Papa John because Papa John doesn't come to their house empty-handed. <laughs> I come bearing gifts just like God does. And so they know I'm coming. You know, the parents don't tell them days ahead of time because they won't sleep. but But... Because I'm talking about the parents won't sleep because the kids keep asking, when's Papa John coming? When Papa, is he, is he, is he going to play tunnels with us? Because <laughs> I play tunnels with them. I create a tunnel, a new tunnel every time I go there. And, and we have a lot of fun and, and different stuff. And we, we, we do these things. But when I pull in the driveway, their home was just up, up above on this lot. Uh, The road is down here and then there's uh, houses across the street that are lower and they're up in a higher place in the neighborhood and it's it's just a regular, regular lot. It's a good size lot, but it's just a regular lot. And you had to pull up the hill a little bit in the driveway and there they are. Their noses are pressed against the window. And they have a subfloor, meaning they have, uh, you know, crawl space underneath. And you can you can hear them running, running on the floor, you know, on the wood floor. You can hear them running, you know. And you can hear them running through the house. And Quincy, he wakes up at 5.45 or 6 every morning, barefooted. And he started out from crawling to running. He He skipped walking. He's going to keep up with big sis, you know, so, so he's, he's running and he's running to the front door and Papa John, Papa John, and they grab me and I've got them by each, or they got me by each hand and they're taking me to their playroom and they're going to show me what they've been drawing or what they've been building or what they've been making. Because they're proud of it. Just like God is proud of making you, and he's showing you off to the world, and the devil hates it, but God made you unique, and God's proud of you. Come on, somebody. He skillfully and wonderfully made you. You're not an all so You're You're not a loser. The devil is trying to make you into a loser, but he has no authority to do so. He has to have your cooperation. That's why you need to understand what the church is for. The church is to build you up and encourage you and show you who you've been made to be. The church, the Word of God is designed to give you the right kind of identity. That's why the devil is so against the Word. Because he doesn't want you to discover who God made you to be. So take me in there. And they've got these tables. Each one of them has a table. They've got stuff to play with and different things. And they, have to, they, they they get it out. They have to put it up before they leave the house that day or go to school or whatever, go to bed at night. They have to clean up after themselves. Their parents are teaching them well and, and teaching them how to be responsible. And so they want to they show me. And they're always excited about it. I can't wait to show you. When I FaceTime, I can't wait to show you. Papa John, I made something for you. I made something for you. Papa John, I did this for you. I mean, e- even the 7-year-old says, says that. And so most of us know that there's a difference between a boy's brain and a girl's brain. Some of you have made, just discovered that today. But... Males are left-brain dominant. Females are right-brain dominant. The creative side, that's why women can see colors, patterns that men can't see. Women have more, better peripheral vision than men. That's why there's actually a study that they did in Great Britain for 10 years. That's a long study. They did it about the difference between male brains and female brains, and one of them is peripheral vision. And so they used dozens and dozens of men to study and they would, give, they would give the women and the men these questions. They would email them to them and they'd give them different questions each, each week. And here's the first question that I remember on the study anyway. Ask your husband to find the butter in the refrigerator. So he leaves the table, he goes to the fridge to find the butter, and she hears from the kitchen, we must be out of butter, I don't see butter anywhere, and she tells him exactly where the butter is, oh, there it is, now your marriage is probably not like that, anyway, but what, this is what they found out because men have less peripheral vision men will open the refrigerator door and they'll primarily just see what's right in front of their eyes and so during this training they figured out that if men are going to see everything in their fridge they're going to have to go and look at that level and then go down a little bit and look at that level go down a little bit further and look at that level the woman can open the fridge and see everything in the fridge, in the front, the sides, the back. That's a true. That's a true study. That's not a poll. That's a really a study. So. Florence, she's always in the lines, you know, because her right brain is dominant, and she's between the lines, and she, she's colors, and ideas. I mean, she, she's already chic. I mean, this little girl is seven. She's chic. She, she tells me, Papa John, those are not good colors for you. you look better in these colors. I'm serious. It's seven. And it's not about fashion. It's just because she's right brain dominant. Quincy, he doesn't give a rip. He wants to play tunnels. That's the first thing he asked me. Are we going to play tunnels? Are we going to play tunnels? Are we going to play tunnels? He's one-track-minded. And that, that's what men are, linear thinkers. They're one-track-minded. Florence, she never asked that. She asked 40 questions in one. <laughs> like most women. Because their brains are everywhere, you know. Men are just thinking about, wait a minute. That's why men to look at a map, have to pull over. Y'all shut up! Turn off that radio! Because we can only do one thing at a time to concentrate. Am I telling the truth? How the ladies said amen, the men did... So Quincy takes me in there, and he's he's just, you know, all over the place. Why? Because his right side of the brain hasn't fully developed yet as a three-year-old. And it's also part of the anatomy, And studying this and looking at the anatomy, even that right side of the brain hasn't triggered anything in his hands yet on how to stay in the lines. So he's just doing this big thing, you know. And that's why I go in there and say, Quincy, that's an awesome bear. Pope John, that's not a bell. That's a lion. Okay, that's a great line. See, only Quincy, because he created it, has the legal authority to give it an identity. God made you, and only God has the legal authority to give you an identity. The school system doesn't have a right to give you an identity. The church doesn't even have a right to give you the identity. Only God, and God only, can give you an identity. But see, we're living in a world that's trying to reconstitute and re-identify. Why is that? Because the devil knows that time is extremely short and he's trying to get as many people messed up as he possibly can. I hope you reteach this to your children and your grandchildren. It's critical. Have you found Galatians yet? I've been trying to get you in Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Most of us can quote this in the King James or New King James, it says, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a great verse. The problem is it's not accurate. Look at this in the Amplified. I have been. King James, New King James says, I am. You're not am, you have been. The Greek says, I was. The Amplified goes and takes that and says, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. All right, take that down if you would, please, off the screen, because people are going to cheat. Look ahead. (laughs) I have been. And in him I have shared in his crucifixion. How did we do that? How in the world? We weren't there, but our sin was. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, He who knew no sin was made to be sin. It wasn't Jesus' sin that put him on the cross. It was my sin. It was your sin. Are you getting this? Now here, here's where we miss it, see. Because these are fundamental things. These are basic things. You, you want to get out of the kiddie pool and get into the deeper water? Anybody ready? Take your floaties off. Come on. That's where most churches are. Not yours, but most churches, they just they swim around with floaties. The very base level of sin... Don't think symptoms of sin. Don't think results of sin. The very base fundamental level of sin is spiritual. Sin is spiritual. Sin is first and foremost spiritual. We don't think like that most of the time. Sin is spiritual. Say it with me. Sin is spiritual. Why is that important? It's extremely important. Faith is spiritual. Faith is a spiritual force. Joy is a spiritual force. Love is a spiritual force. Well, sin is a spiritual force. Things that are spiritual, are they temporal or are they eternal? They're eternal. What you cannot see, you can't see sin. You just see the result of sin. You can't see sin. A person that's a sinner and not born again, you wouldn't know in most cases that they were a sinner until they opened their mouth or until you saw them act upon something. They put words or action to something, then you can see, you can hear they're a sinner. But you wouldn't know just the general population, you wouldn't know who's a sinner and who's a saint. Why? Because it's spiritual, first and foremost. So is faith. So in the spirit realm, there, there, are, no, there are no clocks, there are no watches, there is no time. So you see, your sin is spiritual, was Spiritual. And God put that on Jesus on the cross because he knew you were going to be a sinner he knew he knew you were going to be birthed into the sin nature right Amen. see see no nope, nobody drowned nobody drowned in the deep end there did you see that's that's how we we need to be thinking this when we're reading the word we need to be thinking more deeply like i said like i said uh uh friday night this is not a church where you have to check your brain at the door and keep it in your car you can bring your brain on in you can really think you need to think you need to process these things And get them so established down deep inside of you and renew your mind to it that you'll never be moved off of it. You know why people run from demons when they manifest? It's because they don't know these things. They're not settled in them who they are. And so, whoo, spook. It's spooky. That's why the devil, this is his month of spooky. And he introduces all this trash. I mean, you can't watch television. You can't listen to the radio. You can't drive through Herth- Hershey, PA without seeing some spook thing being advertised. You can't drive through the neighborhoods of Palmyra, Palmyra without seeing spook decorations. And that's true all over the nation. It didn't used to be like this. People decorate for... Spook Night, in Detroit they call it Devil's Night. That's why they burned most of the t- city down. They call it Devil's Night. No, that's what it is. Anton LaVey, the head of the Satanist church, is on record as saying, thanks to all Christians that have made Satan's night so popular. That's pretty sad, isn't it? So here we are. Let's look at this in the uh, Galatians 2.20 in the Passion Translation. Did you guys get that? If you didn't, I can just quote it. There it is, the TPT. Thank you, guys. My old identity. Say my my old identity. Now what is your old identity? Who you used to be before Christ. Before you were Before you were born again, again, not born again, born again. Your old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. Isn't that a good way to say it? Co-crucified. We were crucified with him. We shared, it says in the Greek, we just read in in the Amplified, we shared in his crucifixion. We were co-crucified, our old man, with Messiah Say with Christ, and it said earlier with Christ. That's why I'm talking about our, this time our identity with Christ and not just in Christ, our identity with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So it says, and, no, and, and, and our old man, our old identity no longer lives. Say that with me. My old identity no, no. no. no, longer, lives. no longer lives. My sin nature no. is dead. Well, if your sin nature is dead, and it is, think through this. If your sin nature is dead, does it have any authority in your life? Certainly not. Yet, pastors, myself, I've been doing this 45 years. Since 1978, I've been in full-time ministry. I even have socks that old. Thank God I don't have underwear that old, but I have socks that old. But we come into contact with people that are still messed up from family members that have been dead for decades. True Well, they, they did this to me, and they did that to me, and, and I'll ask people, "Well, well I, I, I didn't know so-and-so still. I've well, they're not. they've been dead 25 years. But what they said to me still hurts my feelings. What? <laughs> Drive through cemeteries, and people are out there walking through the cemetery. Reminiscing. What are you doing? If they're born again, they're not there. I don't visit my relatives' graves. Why? Because they're not there. Well, I need to just go talk to them. They're not there. See how we've developed this morbid mentality. A A lot of it comes through Catholicism because every year there's a Day of the Dead. And I've been to Latin America where they have the Day of the Dead. It is a holiday. And they, they, they ghouls and all kinds of stuff and skeletons and all kinds of stuff up and down the streets and dead, of uh, dead people and coffins and everything else. They worship the dead. What are you doing? That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Jesus is alive and he's made you to be alive. Dead people don't have any authority over you, including your old identity, has no authority over you anymore. So stop digging it out of your wallet and finding that old number. Old pictures. Those were the days. No, they weren't. You were lost. You were a mess. Wow, it's amazing what the habits we get into. So it goes on and says, For the nails of his cross crucified me with him, and now, say, and now. All right, next screen, please. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one, and my life is empowered by him. no longer am I, I who live. Isn't that what we just read in Galatians 2.20 in the regular version? In the, in, the, in the King James, the New King James, and in the Amplified? It's no longer I who live. Yeah, right. So why are you so offended? It's not your life anymore. Right. Right. It's him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brother, I just don't know about that. That's because you don't know who you are. You're still living in your old identity. You're still living in the flesh. You're still carnal. Who do you call him carnal? You? You. I ain't afraid of devils. I ain't afraid of you either. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. Why? Because the truth is what makes me, not sets me, makes me free. You've got to get into the truth. And get out of that old dead religion, that trashy dead religion, old carnality. Come on. It's time to have a new life. It's time to have a new way of living. It's time to have new thought processes. Come on, somebody. Your old man is dead. Your old man has died. You have a new identity with Christ. That's how you know, you know, when people have, have where are their identity as soon as they, Say words out of their mouth. Well, brother, I just don't know about that. You know, the devil's been chasing me around for years. And I just don't know how I'm going to make it ends meet. I just don't know how it's going to happen to me. You don't know who you are in Christ. You're still living in that old man. And that's how religious people talk. That's how most of us were brought up. With dead religion. Dead religion. So these evil and wicked forces are in attempting to re-identify who you're supposed to be. Th- this is such a spiritual basic. One of the things I want you to see there that he said in the, in the Passion. Would you go back to the first, the first screen of the Passion? And it says, for the nails of his cross crucified me. With him and now, next screen, and now, say now. Now. The essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. Identification in Christ is simply stated is our union with him. Say, my my union with him. That's identification with Christ. Now, let me just give you a couple of scriptures that that come to mind, I, 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 m- m- way more than a couple. But how about when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the? the now, think about that. Jesus is saying, I am the root vine. You are the branches. Everything in the root is in the branches. Yes. Right? Now Jesus did he know did he know anything about arbor? Or did he know anything about trees and botany? Since he created, I think he would. He knows the difference. He know he know he knew exactly what he was saying. And so he used that analogy for us to have understanding. Everything that's in him is now in us. When we're born again, everything that's in him is now in us. Is is there sickness in him? Is there fear in him? Is there torment in him? Is there oppression in him? Is Jesus depressed? <laughs> even with even with his family members, he's not depressed. Even with us as his brothers and sisters, younger brothers and sisters, he's not depressed. Man. Well, what are you doing? Participating in all that mess. It has no authority in your life. So everything that's in him is now in me. Say that with me. Everything that's in him is now in me. Say it again. Everything that's in Christ is now in me. Who do you think you are? I'm a son of the living God. That's who I am. I'm ai I'm am I'm a co-laborer with Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of the Father, an heir of the kingdom, and a co-laborer. I reign with Him in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's what the New Testament says I am. You got to get past Jesus wet. You got to get past the Gospels and into the Epistles to find out who you are. The, epi- the Gospels show who Jesus is. And that's why the enemy doesn't want you to get into the epistles because that shows you who the church has become and what Jesus made the church to become. That's why your religious, fleshy, flaky, funky friends (laughs) say to you, well, that's done, done away with, brother, sister, that's no longer current. You're going to have to rip a lot of your Bible out. You're going to have to tear a lot of it out. And these new guys—they're saying, "Well, you, you don't don't read the red letters. That's old. Law. That's law. That's old covenant. Don't even read the Old Testament. That's what this young whippersnapper in Atlanta has done. He ought to know better. He didn't. He didn't make this new declaration till his daddy died." Daddy was Charles Stanley. His daddy had it right. Even though he's died in the World Baptist, he was still a godly man. He and He had basic understanding of our redemption. His son has taken it a whole new way. and It's all whacked out. It's just foolishness. When a, when a guy says in the last three years, a guy says three major things, three major things. This latest one this is the fourth one. That... Don't read the red letters. He said that the church would be great if it weren't for the Bible. Last year, not Charles, his son. Last year he said the Bible is the Achilles heel of the church. So what am I doing? I'm naming a false prophet. Andy Stanley. Now he's come out with this recent mentality that we need to be accepting and approving of gay marriage. And just recently had a conference about it. Even the Baptists are freaked out about that. But he said a lot of other whacked out things. And I don't mind naming names when they're false prophets. His dad was not a false prophet. Andy Andy Stanley is. Charles Stanley was a godly man. I have a good friend that has spent time with, spent time with Charles Stanley, speaking to his staff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was a godly man, character man. He had some hiccups in his life. His wife divorced him. All kinds of stuff happened, but he, he got a lot of false, false uh, accusations, and that's that's what happens when when you're when you're that big, you're a target. They start writing books against you. They wrote books against Brother Hagan. They've written books against Kenneth Copeland and, and, and Joyce Meyer and these different people. And I've, th- These are people I've spent private time with, and they are clean as a whistle. They are slick. They are clean. They're not corrupt. They're godly. They're humble people. Or Roberts, humble man. That's why God can use these people with signs, wonders, and miracles, because they've kept themselves pure. I can name some other people that have fallen that weren't pure. They were corrupt. And the Lord told me to remove myself from, I could name some names, that's not my point today. Remove yourself from them and have no other association with them ever again. And he told me that in 1994. And I did it, I obeyed. And all ten of those people that he mentioned that I had a relationship with, every one of them has fallen to corruption. Why? Because number one, either they weren't word people in the first place, or number two, they were carnal. That's why I get on social media, and I address dirty preachers. The reason I do that is because it affects all of us. If you have a dirty insurance agent, does it affect the whole insurance agent, the whole insurance industry? No. If, if you have a bad mechanic, does it, does it affect all mechanics worldwide? No. But when you have a dirty preacher, they paint us all with the same brush. They put, stir us all in the same pot. Oh, preacher's all they want your money. They live corrupt, blah, blah, blah. They live dirty life. No, we don't. No, we don't. Most of us don't. And that's why I address dirty preachers. They need to clean up their act. And I get, it, I get attacked for that. The reason I say attacked is because I get attacked more than once. So, so let's wind this down. And, and let me just say this while I'm at it regarding wrong things in the pulpit, false doctrine, etc., Ignorance in the pulpit lands in the pews or the chairs. Ignorance in the pews lands in the culture. That's why, have a whack, that's why we have a whacked up culture. Because we've had some wrong teaching in pulpits. Therefore, it got in the pews and the people in the pews spread it out in the culture. Dr. Francis Schaeffer died 25, 30 years ago, probably 25. He made this statement. I've never forgotten it. He said, every abortion clinic in America should have a banner outside that says, here, by permission of the church. In other words, the church should have such influence that they not even consider abortion. The church should have such influence that the school system would never have enough courage to remove the Bible and prayer out of school. The church should have that much voice. But the church has lost its voice, you see. The church has become silent. Well, brother, I just believe in being a silent witness. Those two words don't go together. That's like saying jumbo shrimp. Minor, emergency. It's only minor if it's not your emergency. But if it's your emergency, it's major, right? So those are words that don't go together. Carnal, Christian. Those words don't go together. So we've we've thought about, well, I'm just going to be a silent witness. That's impossible scripturally. He said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Is that silent? The Bible says in the New Testament, how, how how can they hear if there's not a preacher? Isn't that what the Bible says? So we can't be silent. We've been silent too long. Come on, somebody. I was buried with Christ. I suffered with Christ. And I'm made alive with Christ. Come on, somebody. And I'm seated together with Christ in heavenly places. I'm not just hanging down here dangling, you know, looking for, oh, oh, Jesus, come quickly, come and get me. No, no. I'm occupying. I'm overcoming. I'm winning. I'm exercising my authority. That's what we're all supposed to be doing. I've got to wind this down. Have I helped you today? Let's turn to one more scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Our identity is critical. Who we are in Christ is critical. Who we are with Christ is critical. Romans chapter 8. Verse 29, we'll just read it off the screen to save time. The Amplified says, for those whom he foreknew, he knew you, see, beforehand, He knew you before you were you. He knew you before there was even a planet. Why? Because in the, you were created spiritually first. You are a spirit being. You don't have a spirit. You are spirit. You were first of all created in the spirit. So he knew you, he foreknew you, and of whom he was aware and loved before him. He was aware of you, he knew you in advance, and he loved you anyway. How cool is that? He loved you anyway. Doesn't matter what you did, what you thought, what you, what you said, he still loved you. He still loved me. And he loves you even if you've missed it, even if you've blown it. Let me just rephrase that. Even when you missed it, even when you blow it, not if, when, he still loves you. And he also destined from the beginning. In other words, God just wasn't making copies. God has a destiny for you from the beginning. The beginning is not on a watch. It's not on a calendar. It's the beginning of time, the The beginning of the beginning. Our minds cannot even comprehend that. We can comprehend calendars and those kinds of things, but we can't can't comprehend the beginning. I don't even know when we get to heaven that we'll we'll be able to understand that. It's, It's just too complex. So even from the beginning, he created you with a destiny. In other words, God just wasn't making copies. He created you with a purpose. Just like my grandchildren, they make stuff every single day. They draw something, they make something, they build something. We we give them toys without batteries. Stuff they have to think through. Stuff they, stuff that they have to build, something that and they can unbuild it too. But they 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 build and they draw and they 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 design and just just the same thing we did with our children. Reduce the batteries. Save the planet no not, that's not what I mean but reduce <laughs> reduce the batteries and stop stop allowing these Asian kids that are fourteen and fifteen having graduated from college to be the only creators and then our American kids are the consumers. I posted this on Father Fridays every Friday we have a post on social media called Father Fridays. It's something that I've said and taught over the course of time and over the course of years. Sometimes I quote other people that I know, but you can find me online. Uh, uh, and there's a, there's a blue uh, postcard back there that you can find me online. If, 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 how many of you follow me on social media? What's wrong with the rest of y'all? <laughs> but we, we give you helps. And we talked to fathers about. And, and Friday, Friday, we uh, our office posted this that we're, we're to we're to help make our children creators and not consumers, because consumers are always relegated to the creator. It's the creators that make the big dough, folks. But we we just made our kids instead of. Building their imaginations and encouraging their imaginations to help them think through things and build things, they just turn on something. We didn't have video games in our house when, when our kids were growing up. Well, you were boring. My kids don't think so because we built things. My daughter's a multi million dollar home builder today. Because I built things with her when she was a little girl. I built her dollhouses, and she would design and create and paint, and, and, and she became an interior designer, and now she's a home builder. She figured out she could, she could do the whole enchilada and make a lot more money. Hello? At 18, she was managing five, five condominium complexes as a property manager. At age 18, no degree. She graduated a year and a half early from high school before she was 17. Not because we're special, but because God made her into a creator. God made us all to procreate. We're not supposed to be just chasing what somebody else creates all the time. Now, I didn't say go out and build your own car tonight, you know, and they do those things. No, it doesn't start there. It, st- it starts with let's reduce our batteries, let's reduce our screens. Let's use the greatest computer ever devised, and that's the human brain. Because the human brain doesn't start doing this every few minutes, it doesn't have to buffer. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't know what to do with all this change you gave me here at the drive through window. I can't enter it in. Our computers are down, so I can't think for myself. See what we've done? See what we've done? Wait a minute, let me take my shoes off so I can count. <laughs> That's what we've done. We've done it, and, we, and, the, and the church has allowed it. Because our kids are doing the same thing. Not mine. It's so important that we get this. Put that back up there, because I'll keep preaching. I better stay on this. He also destined from the beginning foreordaining them to be what? Molded into the image of His Son. God before the foundation of the world, destined and designed us to be molded in the image of Christ, not the image of the world. But yet our lives are full with things trying to mold us, pressure us, force us, pigeonhole us, stereotype us. Isn't that true? You be this, and you be that. and no, no, you can't do that. Don't think for yourself. You just need to follow along. Just be a good sheeple. Take the vaccination. Now the commercial is, do it all at the same time. You can get your flu shot and your vaccination shot at the same time. I don't have time to go there. I shouldn't have even opened that can of worms. So that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the first one born again. He's the first one raised to new life out of the pit. He was raised up and then only then could he go into the, into the, into the Abraham's bosom and preach to the captives, preach to the, preach to the Old Testament saints that were held there. Only then could he witness to them and preach a salvation message to them. And they all got born again. And then they all, on the way to heaven, stopped off on the dirt ball and walked around. And they were seen by hundreds and hundreds of people. Moses and Aaron and Abraham. All these people. Woo! (laughs) You see... If you think Christianity is boring, you haven't met the same Christ I've met. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Uh-uh. I've seen demons levitate, levitated a thirteen-year-old girl off the floor, except for her heels. And that's when those preachers ran around screaming in tongues. They were so afraid. <laughs> What are you doing? Don't you know? Don't you know? He's just trying to show off. It's not, it's, it's not real in that. I mean, it it really happened, but he doesn't have any authority over this girl. Her name was Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-I from Guymon, Oklahoma. And that demon tried to manifest in her and do all kinds of and crazy things, don't have time to get into it. It was 40 minutes. And, and uh, I said, Lord, I don't have time for prayer and fasting and dealing with this. It was at ORU. There were 4,000 pastors, leaders, and young people at this event. And I'd just spoken, and three demons manifested in the service. And after I came off the platform, and the leader of the event we, we were sitting d- down here. He, his wife, my wife, and myself. And he leaned over our wives and said, John, can you go take care of that? Demon-possessed girl from Fort Smith, Arkansas, up in the balcony. She manifested, or he manifested. And you look up there, and it looked like the Red Sea. Everybody split apart. What, what are we doing? What are we doing? And grown men... There were eight men trying to manhandle her, and I was concerned she was going to throw them off the balcony. Forty feet, it's 40 feet, it's real high. I said, let her alone, leave her alone. And so I asked the Lord, you know, this is unusual, so show me, show me, reveal to me, reveal to me what I need to know here. That girl's name was Susan. But Jackie was a 13 year old. That girl was 18 from Fort Smith. This, girl's, this girl, Jackie's 13 from Guymon, Oklahoma, Panhandle of Oklahoma, where it's icy today. You know, there's 21 where I live this morning in Texas 21 degrees. Snow and sleet. So uh, th- they say it doesn't snow in Texas, but I live at 3,500 feet, so it's a different different weather. But. So here's this demon manifested in Jackie, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. Because I asked him, I said, you've got to show me, because j- just, just saying something to that demon didn't work. Just saying, I cast you out, blah, 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 then it, that wasn't enough. What, what did Jesus say to the disciples? He said, this, this kind doesn't come out but for much prayer and fasting. So see, there are different levels of devils, right? Right? And so I knew this was a different level. And this is what the Lord said to me by the Holy Ghost. And I even asked for the youth leader and the pastor to to join me. And this is what he said. Jackie's parents divorced, and the husband blamed the wife for the divorce. The wife blamed Jackie, the oldest teenager. And instead of Jackie blaming her two little sisters, she blamed God. And she renounced Christ. And the devil entered into her life. I said, Pastors, is, is that right? Did that did that happen like that? They said, It happened exactly like that. I Say, I wouldn't have known. So I knelt down on my knees. I Pastor, I ruined my brand-new suit. I had a Hollywood suit. It was made in Hollywood. It wasn't a Hollywood-style suit. It was just that that was the name. I had a brand-new pair of dress shoes, and I'm down on my hands and knees, and I'm saying to Jackie, Jackie, the Lord just told me this, and I told her what I just told you. And immediately she started weeping and crying. I said, Jackie, do you want to be free? She said, yes. And she was free like that. Well, you're a preacher. You've been doing this a long time. God uses you that way. He's no respecter of persons. That's the problem. We wait for some special meeting to do what the word says should be happening in our daily lives. These signs should follow them that believe. But what do we have now? We have believers chasing signs instead of signs chasing believers. Church, it's time to grow up. Not just show up you got to show up to grow up, but we have to grow up. It's time for us to be the church. Because you can touch people's lives that these two people will never see, never meet, never touch. It's not enough to just bring people to church. That's a good thing, but it's not enough. You need to be winning people. You need to be winning people to Christ. You need to be praying for people. And there might be a manifestation. No big deal. I just told you several illustrations. You have the name. I said, you have the name. You have the name. Now, don't be like the seven sons of Sceva and just not not have a relationship with Christ and try to use the name. No, you have to have a relationship with him to use his name. And when you have a relationship with, and you use his name, the devil has to back off. He must bow, I said. He must bow. Think about that. He must bow. There's no, there's no doubt. He must be, out. and you need to be that confident. But you just don't know what happened. I mean, the lights were flashing and the beds were blah, blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. Get your eyes off of that. He's he's trying to make a show and bring fear to you. When he levitated that girl, Jackie, levitated her off the floor. The first thing he did is he was punching her from the inside. And I had a nurse with me. To make sure that everything was okay with her, with her vitals, et cetera, et cetera, and she was completely healthy. And I've dealt with this for years. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna medically protect them and cover them, but what we're gonna find out is even doctors won't know what in the world is going on. Their their uh, their vitals are gonna be the same. They're good. they're 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 perfectly healthy. It's not that. It's a demon manifesting. You see, I know the difference. You do too. Let me prove let me prove to you how you know the difference. They're showing these movies. The Pope's Exorcists. And they're advertising these kinds of movies. And they're advertising the old exorcists. And some new there's some new one around Halloween time every every year. And they advertise them. And when you see the advertisement, you get chill bumps, don't you? You feel it, don't you? See, you're recognizing the devil. People that are in the world, they don't recognize demons like that. Because they're not the light. But when you're the light, you recognize darkness. And you know it immediately. So that's what happened with Norma. In San Diego. I sensed it right before it manifested. I sensed it. Chill bumps. I feel it right now. Chill bumps hit me. And after she was set free, I asked all those all those ushers and three people, I said, Did y'all sense that before the demon manifested? Every one of them said, Yes, we sensed it. See, you you're the light, you sense darkness. You're right, you sense wrong. You know the difference. God's put that. He's put that meter on the inside of you, so you can recognize. And so, when you recognize that, get ready, because God wants to use you to deliver somebody. God wants to use you to pray for somebody. It won't always be a devil, but it's going to be something spiritual, though. It may not always be a demon, but you don't have to fear. The greater one lives on the inside of you. I said the greater one lives on the Southern. Turn to your head and say the greater one lives on the inside of you. So we win. We win. Now let me This is my last closing, number 7 closing. I wrote this down on this expensive stationery from Office Depot. As believers, our core identity no longer is rooted in earthly identities. It's not rooted in gender, race, ethnicity. It's not rooted in the fleshly cultures and the attitudes of our culture. Our identity is not rooted in language. And I'm not talking about French or German or English or Spanish. I'm talking about just the talk of the Talk of, this, of the culture. It's not rooted in that. It's no longer rooted in the socioeconomic status that we once held, or maybe we're still living in. It's not rooted in the belief systems of the world. It's not rooted in other group IDs. But as believers, our core identity is now found in a unique ethnos, a new people group, the body of Christ, the church. Come on, somebody. The Jesus culture. Spiritual beliefs. The language of faith. The attitude of love. That's who we are now. And anything else is less. Don't settle for less. That's how you recognize the wrong identities. It's it's in the culture. It's the spirit of the world. And you can sense it. You can hear it. By the way... When I, when I left Pastors yesterday, before I drove back, I stopped off at Sheets. I didn't buy any linens or anything. I just bought some soda. And remember I talked about those 15 million, 19 to 34-year-old boys, able-bodied young men that are still living at home? I met one. And the reason I met him, I was at the fountain, and I was filling up my, my cup with Diet Coke. And I hear, Ma! Ma! And I knew it wasn't a little boy's voice. And I turned around, and sure enough, Mr. Twenty-something, all tatted, had a little hair, a little makeup going. Ma, Ma, I'm pay. Now Ma wasn't anywhere to be found, and he had to leave the the, the self checkout. He had to leave his stuff there. Of course, he's blocking. There are only three. He's this was a busy sheet. He's blocking everybody else from doing it because he can't find Ma. So he he's going down aisle at Ma. Ma, he's just yelling it out loud. It's like. He, he didn't have any retardation. He didn't have any brain, brain problems. He was just somebody who hadn't been parented. And we've got a whole generation of those. And they're walking in that spirit and that attitude. And here's the problem. Many of them are professional students. And they get a degree in teaching, and they want to come and teach your kids. Or they'll want to dress up as a girl and read some story or do some dance in front of your little, your little preschooler. They won't let us pastors come and read the Bible at the library. But they'll let these perverts. Folks, we need to rise up against this. We need to use our voices. I said we need to use our voices. Amen. Some of, you, some of you need to run for school board. Some of you need to run for mayor, maybe. You need to, you need to hold these offices. It has to be spirit-led. Don't just do it in the natural. But so, some of you, why not? Why not you? Why, why not you get the corner office? Why not you get the million-dollar idea? Why not you? You're the church. You're a son or daughter of the living God. Why not you? Don't settle for less. Now, you don't cheat your way in. You don't, you don't, you don't politic your way in like the world does. You don't kiss honey on, your, on the way in like the world does. You do what's right. And this is something we've taught our children and now our grandchildren. They know this, and every single one of them are abiding by this. I told you my Marine grandson who's in harm's ways, who's being deployed, was already in Asia, but now he's being deployed to the Middle East. He's already a sergeant, and he just turned 21 years old. And he's only been in a year and a half. But we taught our kids, if you will learn to obey, if you will work hard, if you will follow instructions... And you will honor those in authority around you. Now, where does that start? It starts at your house. It starts when they're little kids. Come on. It doesn't start when they're teenagers or young men or young women. It starts when they're small. Come on. Come on, parents. Let's parent. Let's be a parent. Let's actually parent an adult. In other words, be an adult and parent. We, we we have a severe deficiency of this. But if you will actually do that, you will climb the ladder of increase and favor and wisdom and promotion. So our son started out as a barista. In two weeks, he's the assistant manager. In three weeks, he's the manager of four stores. Well, that's a whole lot better pay than the Barista. Now, that wasn't his career, but he needed that. He needed a quick job because uh, his other job, they, they kind of removed that position, and, and he, needed a, he needed a job. He couldn't just volunteer for that anymore. Actually, he was assistant basketball coach at Ramah, but they canceled the basketball program. They, they could no longer pay him, so he needed a job right now because he had rent due, et cetera, et cetera, car payment, insurance, those kinds of things. So he had to get a job, and God promoted him just like that. Well, God will do that for you, and God will do that for your children. He'll do that for your children's children. Amen? Let's rejoice over the Word today. Thank you, Lord, for the Word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Say this with me. Thank you, Lord, that you made me in the image of Christ. You created me with a destiny, a purpose, a design for victory for favor, for wisdom, for instruction, for influence. I thank you, Lord, that I go to a church that teaches me who I am in Christ. Therefore, I choose to become very quickly who I already am in Jesus' name. Give Him a shout of praise.
0: Hallelujah. You know what? Um, Sometimes people drag their hurt and pain into the present. And today is a day to get over it. Amen? You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't go around talking about the crucifixion, he lived the victory. And if you've ever been hurt in the church, I know that that's some of the hardest people to to win. You need to get over it. You need to let it go, put it under the blood, and let's move on. And let's be Christ. Amen. The anointed one. Yeah. The victorious one. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, Father, right now, if anyone who has ever suffered hurt and pain, I speak the blood of Jesus. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I I pray that they can come to be in the place like Christ did. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Those people who hurt you, they didn't know what they were doing. But now you need to receive the healing and get over it and be healed. It's under the blood in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And today's a new day. Today's a new opportunity. Amen. You've been challenged and encouraged to grow up. Let's grow up. Let's put on the big boy, big girl pants. Amen. And let's, let's walk like Christ. You know, he showed us how to live a victorious life. You know, he prepared 33 and, 30, 30 years for a three-and-a-half-year ministry. And he lived a perfect life. He showed us how to live a victorious, successful life. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just give you thanks and praise for this word. Thank you that you emblazon it in our hearts and in our minds by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I thank you that we're going to walk in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Go check.